Hi, my name is Rod Cleef. I'm host of the Lifetime Cashflow Podcast. And I want to take a second and talk about my friend Adam Adams and his events. Now, I've been blessed to speak at his events, and I know he's known as one of the top meetup organizers on the planet. But let me just say this about Adam. If he's, if he's having an event, go to it. Adam focuses on adding absolutely as much value as possible. He comes with my highest endorsement. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. And today I'm here with Billy Keels. And, hey. uh, and he's just keeling it. Hey, Billy, how are you today? All right, Adam. It is so, I'm really looking forward to the conversation, man. <laughs> has, has anyone ever said that before or am I super witty? Well, let's say both. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So tell, tell people where you're calling from today. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'm pretty privileged, man, to be able to speak to you from uh, sunny Barcelona, Spain today here on the, uh, on the Mediterranean coast. And um, yeah, it's nice to be able to connect with somebody who's back from the uh, home state where my brother and sister were born. Nice. So you, you grew up in Ohio? Yeah, I grew up in Ohio and brother and sister were born in uh, Colorado. We used to live in uh, Aurora. That was many, many years ago, back in the uh, mid 70s. And then we lived in Texas for a little while. And then uh, we went full circle back to uh, back to Ohio. Cool. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And so you have a day job. That's important to share. What do you do for your day job? So a, I work for an application software company uh, and I have worked there for, I've been in the IT sector since about 2002. So um, yeah, so I guess, what is that? Like 17 years, something like that. Time flies by uh, and uh, really go out and help uh, I, well, customers that are in the travel and transport industry um, to help them to automate business processes uh, and become more profitable companies that are that are good citizens so okay and then you also own on the side 27 doors so far uh this is active investments and you're doing a lot of passive investments i think you're already in 300 or so doors is that right you got it that that's it so about 337 on the on the passive side and then the active side as you mentioned uh, at 27 yep exactly cool all right. So for the active doors, I remember we talked about some of those being small multifamily as well as mobile home park. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. So, and I, get, I guess I, I got started in that way because I was interested in like in 2000, 2008, my portfolio had crashed a couple of times and I was just looking to, for ways to have more predictable streams of, uh, of income and I got started there. I was in, living in Barcelona and I thought about buying here and that just was kind of crazy. Didn't actually fit in with the way that uh, I was looking for a cash flow. Uh, there was kind of a, there was a disconnect there. So someone told me one day, like, Billy, you're American, even though you live here, why don't you invest back in the States? And I thought that was absolutely crazy at the time. And one thing led to the next and yeah, 27 doors later and then looking to grow uh, actively in that space. Uh, yeah. So, so far, so good. So far, so good. So let's go here. Let's talk a little bit about and understand the mindset that it takes somebody who's working full time. I imagine you're at least putting in the 40 hours a week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so, and married, children, um, raising the kids. You have a lot of things going on. Some of your 27 doors, I think, 
are, I think all of them are, you say, across the pond, which to me means in a whole different country than you're living in. Yep. Um, so that, that takes a lot of uh, a thought process that not everybody's ready for. Mm-hmm. What could you say to help someone else maybe who's also in an IT job uh, making a decent living, but how do they get involved in real estate? What's their first step with their brain? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I find, Adam, is a, a lot of people, um, or I guess like a lot of peers, right? I was thinking about a conversation that I had yesterday, which is, it's a perfect question, actually. Um, we are so busy in our day-to-day job and, and most of us are very, very good at what we do, right? And I was speaking to a friend yesterday who's, a, who's an amazing project manager, like what, some of the, the types of software that I sell, it has to be implemented and, and so, that, uh, so that the software actually works in the right way. And, and amazing project managers that do so many things during the day and they don't manage their own lives the way that they're managing a project during the day. And so um, s- some of the things that I would say is when, when you're looking to have more control over your own personal life is to say, okay, think about the skills that you're using during the day and make sure that you have enough time to apply them to your own personal life, because that's the part that is, is more the, um, that's where it's going to have the biggest impact, whether you have children or not, maybe you have uh, nieces or nephews or people that you would like to also have a, a positive influence on. So just, I would say the first thing is to think about the different skills that you use in the day to day and then make sure that you have time to apply those skills in your own personal life to be able to get the outcome that you're looking for. What made you feel comfortable to be able to own like a mobile home park in what city is the mobile home park in again? Um, it's in the Charlotte MSA. In okay. the Charlotte MSA. So. so so, what what made you feel like that was the right move? Did you have a team out there already? Did you study the area a lot? Did you just love mobile home parks? Was this an off-market deal? How did that so, go? Yeah, so it was an off-market deal. And quite honestly, this was one after I had learned and established a really clear process of how to go out uh, and not just find the problem that I want to solve. I like to think about it as the problems that you want to solve, right? Rather than just buying a property. Um, and I'd made a lot of mistakes before that, Adam. And when I bought the smaller um, multifamily properties. And so by the time I got to the mobile home park specifically, I already had a really clear process. And, and maybe to kind of take a step back, in the beginning, I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't confident because I'd never done it before, right? I remember being absolutely petrified when I bought my very first duplex. Like I bought it, my wife and I were in Cairo, Egypt. I'm buying this duplex that is in, uh, in New Jersey and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what have I just done? You know, I, I, I wanted to do it, but I, I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't confident. And at the same time, I knew it was something that I had to do. And so along the way, I made a number of uh, errors, mistakes and things like that. And so by the time about two and a half years later, when I actually bought the mobile home park, th- there was a clear process in place as to how I got to purchasing that specific opportunity, great uh, relationships with the team. And it was in the location that makes most sense for me as a cash flow investor. So th- the question, answering the question, I didn't have the same fears or trepidations because I'd already made a lot of those mistakes before. And it was definitely thanks to the team and being really clear on why I wanted to go to that specific location. And the opportunity just, uh, it showed itself through the team uh, because it was an off-market deal. Okay, so 
what cities do you own in today? Today I own in, um, in, in the Charlotte MSA, so in a place called Rock Kilt, and I own in, uh, in, a, in the southern part of New Jersey and in Vineland. I own in Indiana, and I also own in Ohio. Okay. Okay. What made you go after the four markets? Is there one of them that had less, uh, less effort and you just said, let's just do this. And others that you were like, I really want to spend time looking at the numbers here. Oh, so the first couple properties, you know, you know, I bought more based on fear than anything else. And, and probably you're thinking to yourself, well, why in the world, what do you mean fear? So I bought with the, with the mindset of, if something goes wrong, do I have someone nearby that can, that can go and fix the problem within a reasonable short amount of time, right? And so because I had family and friends in the, in the areas where I first purchased, it made sense enough, right? And then because I had an, enough properties and then there was actually cash flow coming in, I actually had to stop because there were things that were moving too fast. And I took about a year and a half off from purchasing. And then when I went to make the purchase of the mobile home park, I was clear on what it was that I wanted to do, which was create cash flow. I finally found the location that made sense for someone who was looking for cash flow, which ended up being the Charlotte MSA. Uh, had an amazing team that was there that I'd built the relationship with and, you know, using Zoom. And I flew over to the United States and met them face to face and, um, you know, kind of pressed the flesh kind of thing. And then the opportunity ultimately came up there. Um, and so it was the right thing to do, the right team, the right location. And then the other opportunities in Ohio and Indiana, those have now come as a result of having a broader network of, uh, of friends and being able to do it in a way that is, is very passive, right? Because one of the things that I've learned, especially as a busy professional, is so, we work so hard and we're so busy that we forget to make our money work harder than we work. And so if you're working 80 hours a week and your capital is only working two that's a losing proposition. So you have to figure out how do I always make sure that my capital is moving, whether I'm doing it actively because I want to do the work or um, I understand that there are really good people that are out there that are operating that can also make sure that my money is constantly on the treadmill because ultimately that helps me to, 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 to live with less stress. Right. So that my money is constantly always on the treadmill. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Your money is sweating. Yeah, you Brulin go. has a six pack. It works hard for you. It works there you hard go. for you. That's so, it. So as you progress and you have a, a great job, uh, IT sales leadership position, and you're working with a lot of the big companies out there helping them, the question that I want to ask comes around starting to get involved in real estate doing a couple small multis, moving to a mobile home park. And that takes me to where we are today, where a few months ago you got involved into your first passive investment. Last month you got involved in your second passive investment. What does the future look like for Billy Keels? Are you going to keep trying to do passives? Are you going to keep trying to do small multifamilies and mobile home parks on your own? What does that look like? So the, the, the next where this train, this proverbial train is going, uh, is to, to also become uh, someone who is able to work with other passive investors to be able to um, lead, let's say, 
the larger type of properties. So let's say 200, 250 doors, which is my perspective today of, of a larger type of property, right? Every, it used to be uh, two doors was a huge property. And now today, the next step is, you know, if anything that's over 200 doors is big. And then once we do that, it will be probably, I don't know, 500 or 1,000. So that, that's the next uh, progression. At the same time, it, it's all, it, one of the things that, like I said, it's just really important. Now, if the right opportunities are not presenting themselves or we can't create the right opportunities, then I always wanna make sure that my capital, my money is constantly sweating. So I could see myself doing both, right? And, and, and being actively going after larger opportunities at the same time, making sure that um, I'm looking for other teams that are very strong, reputable, that have strong track records that can also make sure that my capital is moving in the right direction. One of the things that I, I share with people, so I do, I am an active investor and a passive investor myself. Mm-hmm. And so I do my high paying job, which is consulting with other people to help them get into multifamily. Yep. Um, or closing deals, we make a big acquisition fee sometimes. Yep. And I think it's important to be able to, to focus and tell you, or just you've made it, you have multi-millions working for you that are sweating for you every day, running on that treadmill. There you go. Walking around with a six-pack, George Washington. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I think is really important is just my own philosophy is that Billy kills still continues to focus on his high paying IT job. It does as much as it can there. And when there's money sitting on the side, it's like, get this out, you know, go to work, go to work. You drive the whips and say, get, get over there and make me some money. And, um, I, what I believe is that if, if more of us focused really heavily on just making a high income and getting it passively, we'd, we'd be there. This is what the long time ago, all of the Robert Kiyosaki used to talk about. I remember uh, listening to, uh, I mean, cassette tapes uh, and then CDs on both sides um, or th- where you learned the process was here's how you make money. Here's how you save expenses, get rid of some of your expenses. And here's how you put the money to the side. And what I've noticed, and I could be wrong, but the real estate, the last five years to me has felt like people just want to quit their job immediately. They're like, Nope, I'm going to go wholesale or Nope, I'm going to go fix and flip, or I'm going to be an apartment investor. And they, they, I've found a lot of people that just completely quit their jobs. My thought would be more to, if you have a good job, make the most amount of money that you can and just kind of get that passively until you can, until your money's working so hard, you can pay for things. Yeah, you, oh man. So you just took me back like a, a two years ago, probably. So one of the things that has happened and I, and I enjoy the fact that you and I can be here in Barcelona and you're in, uh, you're, you're in Colorado and we're chatting and we're, we're connecting with one another and you know, the, you know, lots of people are listening to this conversation. And so because the, the, the explosion of social media and the use of all these channels, it's, it's great on one side cause we have accessibility at the same time. Sometimes we, we, we watch too many videos and, and you, you just hit on something that I was living probably about two years ago. I, I watched all these, you know, I was 
watching the Gary Vee videos and I was watching the Grant Cardone's and, and, you know, these guys are really, really good. And they put in a lot of the work, at least from what I see. But at a certain point I was thinking, man, I've got to quit my job. And then I started thinking to myself, well, why in the world would I quit my job? I love my job. Like I really genuinely, I know, and it's not necessarily everybody, but I genuinely enjoy my job. Like during the day, um, I am well compensated for what I do, I would consider, and, and, and well-recognized for what I do. Um, is it something that I'm going to do forever, Adam? Probably not, because the opportunity cost at a certain point will be, it won't make any sense, right? And I will want to take care of my customers um, more than, than, than I'm handling and taking care of the customers of the company that I work for. And I started realizing that when you're able to do both, like in, either you love your job or you enjoy it, or you're just going to your job and you're, and you're not causing problems and you're actually being productive, it's, create, it's allowing you to have the capacity to save, which, and if you're doing that properly, you should take that portion and invest, right? And so you can get the best of both worlds if you do it properly. And so I don't, you know, now, like I said, I, I was there a couple of years ago and then I started realizing, well, this is crazy. Like, I don't need to quit my job. I like it. I'm well-recognized. And this is, also helping me and my family to move towards our own personal goals. It's just how do you find the balance of doing both? And if you're someone who is maybe a bit type A or controlling, you want to be able to do everything. And you have to get into, or what I found that works really well is the people that can figure out how do I make my own active sweat equity work and I keep my little dollar bills or euros or yen or whatever you use, how do you keep them sweating with the six pack? Then you can actually... (laughs) that's when life you can live it with less stress yeah right so you i mean wow yeah that was uh yeah that you you hit on something that i mean <laughs> it's just it's wow yeah love it love it okay thank you for going into all that detail the one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about before we get into the final five is i really want to understand how your skills with your day job might be able to help someone like me who's syndicating raising equity and I know you're, you're syndicating and raising equity as well. So for the listener, don't get me wrong. Billy is doing this too. If you want to invest passively, it'd be a good idea to give him a call and see what he's doing, what he's up to, what are the projects he has coming up, these 200 units that used to sound big and now, you know, they're approachable to him. But um, the, what the point is, for people like you and me, you've developed some real skills through your day job that might be able to help actually a syndicator to be better at their job. If you could kind of teach us some of those lessons and then we'll get into the final five. Yeah, sure. I am. So one of the things I think is one of the, the characteristics that, that, um, that I would attribute to, to you, Adam is, is being sincere. Right. And so I think being sincere, even in my day job with my customers, when things, you know, asking a question, but with the intent of actually listening to what they're saying, like literally listening to what they're saying, not just so that you can say what you want to say after you ask the question, right? right? Like being sincere, number one, um, is something that is, is really, really key um, to me. And, and also, sometimes you have to tell your customer or a person that potentially may invest with you that this isn't the right investment for them. Right. I mean, I've done that. I had someone that was uh, that was here in Europe that uh, was looking to do uh, an investment. It was uh, upwards of 200,000 euros. And 
when I heard what they wanted to achieve, it wasn't what I was offering. So rather than trying to figure out, well, how do I make this work? It was a, as much as I really would love to have you on board, what you're trying to do doesn't match with what we as a company are trying to achieve. I have someone else that you can speak to, but, but it's just going to like to bring someone on board just to have, to have someone on board when ultimately, you know, you're not going to be able to deliver what they're looking for. It's just, it's not the right thing to do if you want to build a relationship, a long-term relationship. Um, so sometimes you have to be able to give that tough love, even if it may feel really weird for you. Like that was a really weird day for me when I had to say no. Um, but I think it's important to do that. So, um, without going into the weeds too much, I think number one is just being sincere. And number two, uh, you need to be able to recognize that it's more important what your potential customer or your prospect, what they want. And if you can provide them with that, great, continue down that path. And if you recognize up front that you can't, then you should also let them know. And if you have the possibility to help them um, connect them with someone else. Well, Hey, look, even though it couldn't work for you, they're probably going to appreciate the fact that you were sincere enough to put them in touch with somebody else that could actually help them. Awesome. I know there's even more things that can, that we can gain from your experience working in it. And some of those things are, I know that you find ways of making it easier to follow up for, for other, for the, your clients you try to help them follow up easier because you know follow up is important because you look at top line, you look at bottom line, and you try to make sure that they're getting in front of the right customer. And you even talked about when, when discussing the right customer is, we, we talked a little bit about that maybe they were marketing to a lot of different people at the same time, but one of the skills that you've brought them is been able to show them who is their real avatar, who, who is the real person that is going to spend the, the right amount of money with them. And I believe that those things can translate into multifamily syndication as well, if you can touch on those two points. Sure, yeah. So I think it's important to be able to, I guess, and probably some of this is, how much can you actually do on your own? I think it's important in the beginning, especially when you're trying to go out and, and we all have an idea of who we want our customer uh, to be or who we want our client to be. So there's a lot of uh, repetitions that need to happen, right? And so, but once you go through the repetitions and you realize that my avatar is actually Adam A. Adams, well, my, the question then becomes, there's only 24 hours in the day. So how can I actually go out and meet as many Adam A. Adams as possible within the constraints of a 24-hour time period? So it then becomes, how do I start to um, automate as much as possible, the, the, these interactions, right? And depending on the types of interactions, it may just be something that's, that's automated. Now, I'm sure you would agree as a syndicator, there is a, there's a personal relationship that needs to also be able to be developed, right? If, depending on what you're trying to, uh, to go out and how you're trying to help the community, maybe you can do everything online. Um, in our world, that doesn't really exist. It can start online and you want to be able to, to, to automate that. And you can do that through uh, software. There's lots of different softwares that you can do that. But ultimately, you want to be able to get on the phone and speak to someone and where you can um, sit down with them and, and, and meet them uh, face to face. So I would say, and this is something that I've learned in exactly in my day job is being able to, 
to segment, which is kind of a way of saying, figure out who the right um, person that you believe you can help. Spend the time up front to really make sure that that is the person that you can help and that's the person that also resonates with you. And then when you wanna be able to scale that is look at using, and I particularly like to use software to, to then segment so that you can get to uh, more of the people that, that you should be uh, in front of. So uh, hopefully I've answered the question in the way that, uh, that you're yeah, looking for. Absolutely, so let, let's talk about that. Just real fast, my target customer when looking at mobile multifamily syndication is somebody who wants to be involved in syndication, but they don't really know how to take the next step. And so this is my target customer. Maybe somebody else's is my target customer is a doctor, attorney, a CPA, a, um, you know, a dentist, whatever. That's my target. My, my target client is an IT professional who I can find a way to show them that I'm investing passively as an IT professional. They could also, but maybe Adam's target is I want to, I want to uh, find somebody who really wants to get involved into this business. I want to ask the right amount of questions when I can to help them to understand what is their path. And if their path is, I want to raise equity for deals, then I want to teach and coach them how to do that. If their path is, I've got money and I want to be involved in deals, then, then I want to be able to say, I've got deals. So how do, how do I systemize and automate the process to bring that client in where I'm not doing a lot of the work until they're ready and now I can pick up the phone and say, all right, so you want to learn how to raise money or all right, so let me tell you about our deals so you can be investing in one of the next ones. Yeah. So, and I think it would be a lot of what you're, you know, making sure that number one, that people know that you're there. Right. So, uh, and, and I guess that, that would, it's kind of the goal of, of marketing, right. If I have to use the corporate speak and basically just know. So once someone knows that, that Adam and I'm, we're going to keep using Adam because this is, this is the Adam show. Um, no, this that, is the Billy that, show that, that, that you exist. Um, because you're able to show them genuinely that um, you are, as you mentioned before, you're, you are someone who's passively investing, just in this example, and you actually show them how you go about passively investing. So you're actually adding value to somebody who doesn't even know you up front because you're showing them something that they want to know. And the fact that you're available while they're driving in the car right now or running on the treadmill or running on the street you're helping to add value to them. Or maybe they're sitting at their computer at their day job and they just have a couple minutes of break and guess what? They're over on YouTube and guess who they see? Adam's over there and he's talking about the way that he's passively investing in whatever because he wants to make sure that his, his, his capital is moving. At the same time, they see Adam talking about uh, the fact that he is a syndicator and what does that mean? He brings people together that have common interests, common goals, and he's able to... Um, bring them together around that common goal and is able to deliver uh, what that person is, is looking for. Um, but he's doing it across many different platforms. Today, a lot of that happens online, uh, whereas before it used to happen either at a, at a live event or it happened when somebody came into town and was going from town to town with their band and all that other kind of stuff. So I think it hasn't changed uh, throughout the years. The different channels have changed, but generally you just need to let people know that you are there demonstrate to them that you are capable of helping them get what they uh, need to get. I think this is 
kind of keeping it as simple as possible. That's, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's it. Is there a way to demonstrate that you can be the person to help somebody get what they want to get in a systemized matter, um, throwing it online? Can you see something like that? I I think so. I mean, you know, because and if you especially if you go back to doing the things that we were talking about before, is number one is just being really sincere about the way that you're doing it. Because if if I see Adam or or Billy or Steve or Carlos or whoever doing something consistently, then chances are that that's actually how Adam is, and he's demonstrating his capacity to uh, translate an idea or helped me to figure out, wow, I didn't even think that I could do that from a syndication perspective. Oh, okay, wow, I didn't even know that these types of opportunities were available. Maybe uh, they'd only talk about, talk. You know, they'd only previously seen that you can syndicate portfolios of single family homes and you're showing them how they can single, how they can syndicate a multifamily or a, an assisted living facility. And they're gonna go, wow, okay, cool. And I've seen him not just do it once, but twice and 10 times and 20 times. And so guess what? Chances are they're, going to say, Hey, listen, Adam, how, how, how could I do something like that? Love it. And you're absolutely right. And I think that's very, very valuable. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with a final five. By now you should know that one of the biggest things that brings me joy and happiness is to meet listeners of the show. That's why I do so many live events. I definitely want to meet you. If you, if you'd like to meet me, and some of our speakers, some of our presenters that come to the Raising Money Summit. And just to name a few, we've got Corey Peterson, Jason and Peely Yarusi, Michael Blanc, Michael Becker, Adam Adams, Ellie Perlman, Kathy Fedke, Maureen Miles, Jillian Sadoti, Jean Trowbridge, Alina Trigub, Todd Dexheimer, Ramakrishna, Jeremy Roll, Chris Clothier, Matt Terrio, and Mark and Tamil Kenny. It's gonna be awesome. I'll see you on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Just go to RaisingMoneySummit.com. And then if you want a big discount, just put in podcast because my podcast listeners get a giant discount because I am hosting that event. I'll see you October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Mr. Billy Kills, what is the most creative deal you've ever done? The most creative deal that I've ever done was the, I would say it's probably the the mobile home park. was the mobile home park deal that we did? Um, yeah, just off-market. And it was, it was great. And uh, was a seller who didn't want to do any, uh, they didn't want to hold the paper, uh, meaning that they didn't want to act as the bank. And then they realized that it was going to be beneficial for them to actually do that, given their context. And that was, without a doubt, the, the, it was the coolest and most creative, also because it was really helping the person because they didn't realize that it was going to be really beneficial for them. So when we talk about creative real estate, this is just for you, the listener. When we talk about creative real estate, a big part of it is that it's you're creating something. You're creating a win-win. You're solving a problem. And the seller never would have thought to own or finance or sell or finance something. But when you ask enough questions, then you can say with confidence, Carrying the paper really is the best thing for you in this scenario. If this is where you want to go, I can solve your problem. And then the seller forgets that he's seller financing and it was a scary thing in the beginning. He forgets about all that. Instead, he says, no, you're right. That's the path that's going to give me the least resistance. Let's do, 
let's go ahead and do it. So thank you for bringing that up. What's yep. a book you recommend? Uh, one of my favorite books uh, ever is uh, from J. Edward Griffin, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Why do you like that. that so much? And what did you, you learn? Know, so this was, I mean, it was a book that just really opened my eyes to, um, well, just money and, and, and currency is probably the better way to talk about it and understanding uh, the, what the Federal Reserve, uh, how it was created, uh, things that happened like in 1913 that took us all the way to 1971 uh, when we were to kind of decouple the, uh, the, the um, gold from the, uh, from the dollar. And it just really, really opened my eyes to the way that um, debt, how important debt and understanding debt uh, is. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was, um, it just, wow. It was one that I just over and over and over and the, the creature from Jekyll, Jekyll Island. Where were you five years ago? Five years ago, I was here uh, in Barcelona. I was enjoying time with my children who were two and three at the time, two and four at the time. And um, yeah, I was just getting started on this thing called real estate as an entrepreneur. Great, great. And then I know where you are today. You've got your 27 doors that you're running. They're all over the country. You've got your 337 doors that you are passively investing in. You're making the most amount of money you can today so you can passively invest it. And you're also aligning yourself with other people that are in IT and want to passively invest. So you can kind of show them how to do that and protect their money as well. Where will you be five years from today? Five years from today, um, I will be healthy, happy, and my boys will be older. Um, I hope that my wife is much happier <laughs> every day. And then I guess from a, from a, a life perspective in, in real estate, um, my goal uh, on the an active side is to at least five years from now is to be at, uh, at a point where we're helping 500 families actively. And um, that means 500 doors if you want to translate that. And then from a, from a passive perspective, um, I don't understand why we sh shouldn't be able to help more than 2,000 uh, families on the passive side. So, um, so yeah. And whether or not I'm still at my day job, don't know. If I'm still enjoying it and the, uh, the opportunity cost makes sense, then I'll, I'll keep going because I enjoy it. If not, I won't. <laughs> I love that. Great. Well, how do you give back? What's, what's your way of giving back? Yeah. So this is one of the things that I am uh, working on. So I am thinking more and more about the, not just thinking about it, but actually uh, working with my sons because uh, it's something that my, my dad did uh, was actually to have us become more active uh, in the community in which we live, which is, uh, which is here in, in Barcelona. That's on one side, like more on the, on the personal side, because I want my kids to recognize that we're, we're very privileged for kind of where we're, where we're living, how we're living. Uh, and there are a lot of people that don't have the same privilege. Um, at the same time, I also am giving, helping to build financial education around uh, people um, that are here in Barcelona. Uh, one of the ways we give back is actually hosting a Cashflow 101 game where we donate the proceeds from that Cashflow 101 to a local children's charity, um, which is done through one of the local universities. So what we collect, um, we actually uh, donate 80% uh, of the proceeds go to uh, the local children's charity. So that's another way that we give back. 
Awesome. The last question that I have is for those IT professionals that resonate with you, your avatar, and you're their avatar, and they're wanting to get a hold of you, and they're wanting to learn how to do all this. How, how do I own 20-something doors outside of my country? How do I get involved passively into syndications and, and make sure that it's safe? How do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? What's the best way? So we try to make it really easy in general. Um, and if anybody wants to find me, they can find me at uh, keeponcashflow.com. Uh, one of the things that I've also, if someone actually wants to understand step-by-step step what it is that I've done um, living in Europe and investing back in the U.S. where it makes sense for me, I've written a, uh, an ebook, and, and they can pick that up actually by going to growyourmoneythesmartway.com. And for those people that are actually here, the really people that really want to make an impact or have a conversation with me, um, I'd love to talk to you. You can go to bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. So those are kind of the three flavors you can uh, figure out how to find me. Let me repeat those three. It's keep on cash flow. That's K-E-E-P-O-N cashflow.com. It's grow your money the smart way.com. And then it's bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. And by the way, Bill, uh, bit.ly links are case sensitive. So you're going to want all of these to be lowercase. bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy and get right on his calendar. Billy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time your knowledge, everything that we learned from you. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thanks, Adam. I hope you decide to go ahead and grab your ticket to the Raising Money Summit this year. The networking is going to be outrageous. So I hope you'll accept my invitation to come to the Raising Money Summit by going to RaisingMoneySummit.com. Check out the speaker lineup. Check out the already amazing ticket prices that we have. And grab your discount for it as well. Just put in podcast. So that's your promo code. That's your discount code. I definitely want to see you there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th.